0: Hey everybody, I'm Justin Bo, my partner Mike Valenzano, and you're listening to the Bone and Zano Zone podcast presented by BuddiesProShop.com. On this episode, we are hanging out with PBA legend and commentator Nelson Burton Jr. about his career on the mic and off the mic, along with his recent successes on the lanes at the young age of 80. Along with talking to Bo, we discussed our picks and predictions for the 2022 PBA Players Championship regional telecast. We stream all of our content live on YouTube where you can find our upcoming shows at our new time on Tuesdays at 7pm Eastern. If you want to see all that BuddiesProShop.com has to offer, head over to their website and use coupon code ZONE5OFF to save 5% off your next order. Some manufacturer restrictions may apply. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Bone and ZonoZone so you never miss an update from the crew. Now, let's get into our 7th episode of Season 2, Hanging with Nelson Burton Jr. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bone and Zono Zone podcast, presented by BuddiesProShop.com. Mike is going to be back on this Tuesday night. Hey, buddy. How are you? Good. How's things in Wichita? Things are good. It is uh, day number one of classes in semester number two at Wichita State. So uh, that's uh, our little short segment of what's up in Wichita. Up in Wichita?
1: Yeah, good we're not going to do that this week. We're going to skip it. We got, um, you know, we've had we've had some real legends on before, Bud um I think tonight is uh, we're gonna over go over the legend category tonight.
0: Yeah, this is a, a really special guest yeah and uh we're, we're really excited to talk to him um but we've in other news besides our special guest tonight uh players Championship qualifying wrapped up over the weekend we will talk about that after we speak with our guests but uh Mike you uh well, you haven't known one of these in, in quite some no. time where we've had your uh, Mike Val opening.
1: Yeah, my traditional opening, right?
0: Your traditional introduction of our
1: guest. So go right ahead and uh, do your thing. So doing some more research about this guy, I didn't realize all the other accolades he has, Justin. I learned last night that his family is the only family to have three members win the Masters. His father, himself, and his brother to win the Masters. Okay. An 18-time titleist on tour, two majors, the 76 Masters, the 78 U.S. Open, inducted into the PBA Hall of Fame in 1979. Didn't know this fact either, bud. He holds eight Eagles from the then-called ABC Nationals, now the USBC Nationals. That's quite a few. That's a couple Eagles there. Inducted into the uh, to then the ABC, now the USBC Hall of Fame in 1981, the first ever father son duo inducted into the ABC/USBC Hall of Fame in 1975. Justin, way before your time and my time, he was then brought on to become the commentator on ABC Sports. Uh, he held that uh, job until the last show in 1997. He was also nominated for four Emmys. Wow. Didn't know that. That's impressive. Um, very impressive. He was ranked number 15 on the PBA's list of the greatest players of all time. Um, you know, Justin, if you put on a football or baseball game now, you hear Joe Buck, and he's kind of synonymous with sports now. And in my generation, Nelson Burden Jr. was the Joe Buck of bowling. So without further ado, the great Nelson Burden. Jr. Well thanks, Mike. Um
2: a, a couple of comments. I hope oh, you boy. Can, I hope you can hear me. Number one, I have nine ABC Eagles. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'll give you a little rendition. I have three team, two doubles, two singles, one all events, and one masters. If you win the masters, you get an Eagle. My so God. Nine Eagles. Uh the thing I'm proudest about, about all of that in the 84 years that I bowled, I was the all-time leading average bowler in the ABC-USBC competition when they oiled them equal gutter to gutter. The 84, I quit when one player shot more 260 games in one session than I did in the previous 25 years. Um, Following me in average were guys that Justin would know, namely Don Carter, Dick Weber, Earl Anthony, George Pappas, uh, Bob Strampe, and Justin. I'm going to ask you a trivia question. And oh boy! Probably almost maybe one million bowlers that qualified for a lifetime average. That means 20 tournaments or more. What do you think the 20th high average lifetime average was?
0: And you're saying on one to one?
2: Yeah. And I yes. And I I'll, I'll give you a clue. What do you think my all-time high average was when I retired after 83 years?
0: I'm going to say
2: 212, 213. You're close. I'm going to give you a clue, 207. Okay. And then what do you think the 20th best bowler over the history of almost 100 years, what his average was? I'm going to go
0: with 201.
2: How about 199? You're very realistic about all that. Second... For you, Mike, Yep. Um, Jack Buck, who is Joe Buck's dad, and I bowled on the same media team, and I will give you the year, you'll probably like this, 1958. Okay. Um, Jack Buck was an accomplished bowler, his dad. (laughs) And um, Jack Buck, this is a trivia question also, Jack Buck was the first color analyst on ABC's Pro Bowlers Tour with Chris Schenkel, when we came, when they first came on the air, Justin, in wow. 1962, it was Jack Buck and Chris Schenkel, and then in 1963 it went to a guy who lived across the street from our bowling lanes, in the George Washington Hotel, named Billy Whalen, and uh, I had the luxury. You've grown up in quite a uh, environment, Justin, of bowling, but I'm not going to say I did you, but then. In my league alone, back in the 1960s, when I was just starting college at St. Louis University and I was in the Army at the same time, we had seven U.S. Open champions alone bowling in our league. My God. Wow. I'm leaving you that with your your start. So it's up to you to run with some of that.
0: Wow. That is impressive. Seven U.S. Open champions in one league.
2: In one league. We have, and I'll give you the ones right off the top of my head, Don Carter, Dick Weber, uh, Billy Wailu, Harry Smith. Um, let me think here. I get one that you don't even know that's right off the top of my head, a bowl on my dad's team named Bill Tucker. Bill Tucker was a, a bowler in our league that won the U.S. Open in 1960. Back then, it was the all All-Star. All-Star, yeah. Um, and I don't have a league sheet in front of me, but I did it for one other show and there were <laughs> seven guys in our league. Did I say Billy Waylu Yeah. Yes. Okay. Billy Waylu Smith, Carter. All right. Anyway, we'll <laughs> go from there.
0: And we're, we're not talking about, like, the PBA league. We're talking about, like, Monday night.
2: No, we're talking about the Monday night league. And in the, in the height of bowling, which I kind of grew up in, Justin, when I was just a little bit younger than you are now, um, we had the – the team bowling, the Budweiser's, which you've heard of, and the fall mm-hmm. staffs and all that. The fall actually had two teams, and this is called the St. Louis Masters Leagues, and one of them was captained out by Buddy Bomar out of uh, Chicago, and they flew in their own DC-3 down to Bowl League every week from Chicago to St. Louis. Uh, and then so we had two Falstaff staff teams, and one of them that I bowled part-time, for um, was the one you're most used to or famous with was Welu, Glenn Allison, uh, Harry Smith, Hal Savis, a guy named Carl Richards, and that, that, that I can't think of the, the the sixth guy, but I filled in for that team so when I was 16 or 17. But that was in the era before bowling had hit national television. Justin. Right. Just national television star in
0: 1962. Okay. Incredible. Wow.
2: Yeah, Mike, just think. You've got two super
0: subs in your league being Johnny and Dad. And Dad, yep. Imagine having five more guys at that level that bowl in the league.
2: It's
1: it's, it's incredible. That's when bowling was bowling, though. No,
2: I have to correct you a little bit, Justin. These guys, some of them that won the U.S. Open were not at the same level is Johnny and your dad. Okay. And just because they won the U.S. Open doesn't make them a Parker Bone or Johnny Petraglia. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. Well, so we'll say f- five instead of seven. Okay. That'll work. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll, all right. Can remember anyway.
1: All right. <laughs> so, so, so Bo, you've been doing some bowling recently, it seems like, and um, you, you've kind of broken the internet, right, Justin? I mean, yeah, the videos that our friend Chico is sending, and, and kudos to Chico for um, getting me in touch with you, sir, and um, Chico is the head of the Staten Island Bowling Hall of Fame back at home. Um, he's very big into the bowling scene here, and I guess he's retired um, down to Florida. But um, he's been posting his videos of you, and uh I guess he's been bowling pretty good for uh, 79, right, Justin? Yeah, running him over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I was out for a year, Mike. I've, I've stayed with my bowling. Um, I retired when I was 55 years old in 1997 when he came out ABC. And I didn't bowl much for a couple of three years. And I moved to Florida with my four children. And um, they all live with me. And how I got back into bowling, Justin, you'll kind of like this, being a, a child of a superstar is that my oldest boy, Nelson Burton III, is a pretty good bowler, but I I could see the handwriting on the wall for bowling as making a living. Um, it, it was phenomenal when I was your age. Right. Um, uh, for what it's worth, i got to dump this phone. <laughs> for what it's worth, the, uh, my dad told me when I graduated from St. Louis University, you're not going to go to work for our company. You're going to go... Um, you are going to go out and bowl on the tour and make some money. And there was good money on the tour back then. To be honest, if you put a consumer price index, and I'm not losing my trend of thought of my bowling, but the consumer price index to my first year, full year, on the tour after I graduated from college, I won, with endorsements, 67000 Mike, if you put the CPI to that, that's almost $540,000. And I was 22 years old, and I would, I was among the top 10. And a lot of guys were making money in the tour. Uh, Justin, you're probably well aware of being in a family like that has um, really struggled for anybody to make a living with a bowling ball and out of doors. So, right. Okay. Now I'll go back to my bowling. Um, I never, never really quit, but I quit for three years and my son came home. He was a bowling in a league and he says, Hey dad, I lost all my money. He's working part-time at a, at a golf course. He's on a golf scholarship at, down here in Florida and um and he pulls pretty good he's I I I could see the handwriting on the wall I never drilled him a ball with a thumb bolt Justin so you can I mean he throws a full roller that rolls about like um uh I guess Belmonte's ball I mean the strike ability is incredible you you've seen it in in the thing so anyway so I go down there after three weeks of him losing and I watched him bowl. He shoots like 670 in league. I said, how do these guys beat you? He says, well, it's not these guys. It's the guys we bowl pot games afterwards. Well, he didn't tell me that because he was kind of a quiet guy. So in about the time the league's over is three young guys from West Palm Beach. I live 20 miles north of West Palm Beach. And they're all guys who want to be aspiring tour players. They're regional players. If your fans uh, and people listening know what regional players are. And I watched him bowl, and I says, I told him, I says, his nickname is Trip. I said, Trip, you can't beat those guys. He says, well, they beat me out over $500 in the last two months. And being a father, and I don't know if either one of you are, but I said, you know, there is a solution to that. So I started back bowling in a very surreptitious way that nobody even knew I was a pro bowler when I was down here. And uh, <laughs> after about a month, I was ready, and the first week um, – I bowled, I won 500 back. And the next week, 500. And finally, they brought in <laughs> their big star from the tour, and we we bowled a, a lockout. You know what a lockout is, Mike? You put yeah. up 500. We put up 500, mm-hmm. and you got 100 if you won a game. Until you were five games ahead, you didn't win anything. Back and forth. So about the time we uh, got the 16th, 17th game, they thought they had the this veteran of maybe I was 65 or 66 at that time. They had him in good position, but um, that was the end for all of them. And, Justin, you know that, that your dad bowled probably 20 games of of PBA competition in one day easily. Right. No problem. And that got me back into bowling. So I joined. Wow. This week I bowled one regional tournament and I won the regional tournament. So (laughs) after that, I just (laughs) bowl with my kids. That's it.
1: Wow. What are you averaging league? Do you, do you still bowl? You're bowling league now, right?
2: I bowl league. I, I quit. I was down for about a year, Mike. I had. Uh, I was a competitive weightlifter in the Power mm-hmm. Powerlifting Association, wow. and in 1977 in Boca Raton, the city you name, mm-hmm. uh, I tore my rotator cuff uh, in a bench press contest. And last year I had to have it operated on, so I was down about eight or nine months. And I started back in league and uh, didn't have the ball speed and whatnot. And I finally got it back up after about four or five months bowling. But average means nothing. It's who you beat and how much you won, Mike. But I'll give you my average. I hold the state record at (laughs) 247-something. But I only did that when I was 70 years old. So um, average doesn't mean anything. I always said that uh, you take Justin's dad, who's probably I just Justin, you didn't know this, you weren't even born at the time. I proclaimed when I saw your dad bowl on TV, I was an announcer at the time, that your dad would be the all-time leading money winner, and I know he's pretty much closed in on that. But the unfortunate thing is that the PBA tour kind of fell apart where he couldn't make you know three or two or three hundred thousand in one year back, you know, twenty some years ago. But um, Anyway, that's kind of how where I sit right now. But my average is last week I bowled against a guy, Mike, who was running them out against me while I was doing my rehab. I shot ten eighty for four against him with three (laughs) hundred the first game. So granted they're not gutter to gutter, equal oil and all that stuff, but you don't mess with touring players. Let me put it that way. (laughs) That's
1: incredible money. That's awesome. I have nothing more to say to that one, Justin. That is just no.
2: Justin Bowles, Justin, you're a college, you bowl on a college team at Wichita State? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm very familiar with that team and whatnot. And uh, the college players probably are the only ones in the country with with legitimate averages. You know, I I saw, I I taught a little girl named Shelly Goodwin and uh, down here who had no father and I trained her and whatnot and she just bowled on. On flat conditions and sports shots all her life, and uh, she ended up winning the national championship with Lindenwood College, which is right there outside St. Louis, uh, about four years ago. And she was averaging one ninety six for the year, but when we got her to bowl in, in leagues, she had to, she's two thirty, you know. So, wow, it's it's a different story. Yeah, that's nuts,
1: Justin. You you bowled you just bowled recently with dad in a, a little scorefest shootout right that had a little yeah. um, symbolic um, reference to bow right
0: yeah I bowled the the holiday doubles with dad in St Louis at St Clair which uh, was that was the, where
2: our last excuse me Justin that was where the last ABC TV show was at St Clair
0: yeah so he had so after our eight games qualifying we bowled an additional five game block and he had. 1340 for four no for five excuse me not four it's impossible for five so 340 over for five and then came out the next morning to start the next block with 279
2: 300. and you're talking talking about a world-class all-time bowler and granted the lanes are easy in, in that and your dad would be the first to to admit it i'll tell you lastly st Clair. When I turned 50, Justin, I bowled a couple of the senior tour stops when they had ESPN TV. And I made the TV show, and three out of the five I bowled. Never won one, but still made 39000 I was having my, my cake and eating it, too, like your dad could have had when he turned 50. He was still competitive on the regular tour and a, a top player and could bowl the seniors. Uh, but at St. Clair was my last senior tournament. I only bowled five. I averaged 205. I was the only senior to average 200 in the same house wow. you're talking about. And I won $19,000 finishing second in that tournament. Um, and so, as you well know, conditions make the player. That, that's why I don't deal with scores much. It's it's who you beat. You tell me you beat Parker Bone five weeks in a row for, for $10,000. Uh, you're a pretty good guy. Or you beat Mike Tyson in a bar fight. I think you're a tough guy. Yeah. Well, other than that, scores don't mean nothing to me. And that I mean, is kind of true. Of your podcast right now, I'm coming up on 80 years old. There's 37 guys that have bowled 900, Justin. Yeah. Um, all 37 of them right now for 10000 or more if they bowl enough games. Wow. Wow. So what's, what's that mean? 900? I never saw one of them ever cash a dime on the PBA tour. Do do you consider Norm Duke's
1: 900 a carolier or a 900 bow or no?
2: That was one of the greatest 900s of all times. So I was witness to it and victim to that, both. both, And obviously, I did the TV show there, and it was over two blocks. Mm-hmm. And he did it with a straight shot, throwing it right, end over end, and then super cranking it off the lane, depending on the pair. And he did it over two different squads at Carol Air Lane's, uh, When was that, 1995 or so? Yeah, right around there. So, But Norm Duke in my opinion, is one of the greatest players of all time. So, I mean, everybody knows his name, but he's never gotten the real uh, praise, I guess you say it is, to his terrific ability to bowl on anything. I mean, Norm, Norm learned to bowl on everything. It's hard to beat guys like Duke, Walter Ray, and whatnot, who stayed on tour, who learned to bowl with a rubber ball on wooden lanes. Your dad's one of those guys, one of the last of their, Johnny Petraglia. Um, they just know too many shots and too many different ways to score. They went through it all. So Norm Duke is still – in fact, I talked to him last week. Let's see, 57, 58? Let's 30. do it.
1: And he's going to be on TV this weekend. Yeah. yeah.
2: Just any second to qualify down here. I talked with Tom Clark at length yesterday and today, and we were talking about Duke. And Tom Clark has a very realistic – um, attitude towards bowling, although it's a little bit modern. Um, if you know Tom very well, I think he was a collegiate bowler somewhere in New York, and he's pretty accomplished as a bowler, but he was amazed at how good Duke is. for If you had money on the seniors tour, you'd have had guys like uh, David Houston and McDowell. Mark McDowell was a PBA Player of the Year in 1990 and he never even bowl on the seniors tour because no money. They went into business. Uh, Johnny Petragli and Parker Bowen were two of the guys that stayed with the corporate and if it wasn't for Brunswick I know your dad would not be bowling a tour regular because he just couldn't justify it
0: right
1: yeah uh, good stuff there Justin I want to get into the final 10 because I think I think the list of well explain what it is first before we so basically we
0: do kind of like a we call it the the 10 frames of questions. So we ask 10 random questions and
1: basically you just kind of give your answer. Um, The the gloves are off. I mean, nothing bad, Bo, I I promise.
2: There's nobody, Mike, in the history of game knows more about statistics and whatnot. You give me the, the winner of the 1945 all-star tournament, uh, AKA us open and what he shot in the hundredth game to win the title. I'll give you the name, and I'll tell you what frame he missed it in two seventy nine. This guy's if incredible. Ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. It's got to be something that you had told your priest in confession.
1: <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Justin, I'm, that I'm getting challenged tonight. I'm getting yeah. really challenged.
2: Yeah. All right. All right, well, Bo. You ready get one of the stumps me. I'm going to ask you another one. Oh. back, Of course. Well, they're not really
1: like 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 trivia. Like they're more opinion, and you know your your opinion on on the on okay. the topic. All I, right. I'll so this is it. the first one. We asked this to everybody. We've asked this to Parker, Alby, Litchie's come on with us. Bo, who's the best player that never went to the winner's circle on the PBA tour? Wow. I got him, Justin. First one, I got him. Very, got him. very
2: good. <laughs> got so actually, it, it is probably a guy in the 1950s, late 50s, a guy who was bowled like in the Lord or Campy area, um, in that time who was already like 40, 45 years old when the tour came along. So you're eliminating a lot of, there are a lot of bowlers who were pretty good in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and that went on, who were in their 20s or 30s that did not win. But the very best bowlers that probably never won on a PBA tour, I would have to just take a league sheet from that league I was telling you about. And these guys bowl pro tournaments, but never won but they were 45 years old. Right. Uh, you know, you start your career. Ned Day for instance or Buddy Bomar. I knew both those guys. And Buddy Bomar, if you people know, Buddy signed my um PBA certificate to become a member. Now Buddy Bomar never won one, but he was in his mid 40s. Ned Day was the greatest bowler of the first 50 years. Actually, it goes to Hank Marino was voted the greatest bowler of the first 50 years from 1900 to 1949. Uh, obviously he was way too old to bowl, but Beaumont and Day Bowl PBA tournaments and they didn't win. So my answer is Ned Day. Can I give you one that
1: everybody's said that's joined us so far and see what your opinion is on this guy? Yeah. A lefty from Virginia. See if you can figure it out.
2: Uh, lefty Virginia. Did he throw a full roller?
1: No. he he um, He finished third at the U.S. Open the year Pete dropped the trophy. And he came out of retirement in the early 2000s, Justin. And he made the show at the U.S. Open at Caroleer. And he stopped bowling right after that.
2: You got me. Richard Wolf. Okay. I I watched him bowl. Um, My opinion that um, he's not one of the top 20. Wow. Wow. All right. Just a little cruel, but... Oh. Uh, if you're if Richard Wolf could have beaten Ned Day, I'd have said yes.
1: Okay. All right. So let. So that that's a good one, Justin. So let's go to number two. You ready for this one? Yeah.
0: Much different right. answer.
1: Much different answer. Yeah. All right, Bo. You're sitting on the bench. Your opponent needs all three to beat you by a pin. Who's the one guy that you don't want throwing those three shots in the tenth?
2: I think on a, it depends on the lane condition, Mike. If they're walled up and easy condition, you can name anybody. But I think I'll, I'll name one guy who I saw throw it on what we call on back. Your dad used to know this, Justin. What we call a square condition. You do. I want you said 18 PBA tournaments. I think I only averaged 220 in one of them. In two of them, only two guys averaged 200. That's what I called. You don't even see that anymore. They would guys would to no. the tournaments. All right. So those to me are square conditions because I bowled the first 20 years of my life on equal oil gutter to gutter with a rubber ball. None of this, you know, whatever pattern, cheetah, dog, or whatever you got. <laughs> it, it's, there's always some place the oil is guiding the ball to the pocket. Okay. My answer for the money in my generation would be Barry Asher.
1: Wow. Okay interesting one there
2: he left a solid eight pin on a flat condition to lose the uh, tournament of champions to Dave Davis who was one of my best friends anyway and by the way my goes out to Dave Dave lives in Lake class and put Bowen about 10 years ago just had heart surgery so I hope he's recording
1: uh, yeah dad actually said that last night justin we were talking oh, really? okay yeah
2: he's closer to Dave than I am yeah all right so all right, so it's Barry Asher for the wheat all right good one. All right, so
1: so Bo, you have nine eagles. You were to put together a team to bowl the national, the USBC nationals. Yourself, what other four guys are you bowling with?
2: Well, I have to take the guys I won three titles with. Okay. The first team I won three titles with, I was a rookie. I couldn't even get on a team. And to be honest, I can't even remember their names. But only two teams averaged two hundred. It was in Minneapolis, and uh, back then, Mike, they put new lanes in every year for the for the ABC tournament or USBC, and they put these in Minneapolis, but the Mississippi River overflowed, and it was in a cow, uh, one of those horse marina-type things, and it got flooded underneath, so boards started popping up in the lanes, and the scores were dramatically low, and I bowled with a team, and I can only remember a couple of guys that bowled on it, because we bowled six games, by the way. They had a cut in the team event back in 1965. It was called the Classic Division instead of the Regular Division. I bowled okay. the Regular Division yeah. for the first 10 years in the class, and um, I bowled with the, the late Lou France um, and a, a guy named Justin would know his name. My, you would too, Mike. Is Tommy Tuttle from mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina? Tommy was a good down and second in the U.S. Open to Bob strampy in uh, the All-Star. I'll call it the U.S. Open in 1964. Um, and a guy named Eddie Mayrams And the reason um, I think that we wanted we had two good bowlers, and those other guys were lucky. They hit the nose, they get nine. They got Brooklands and all that other stuff. And uh, you couldn't even make a spare. So uh, that's my answer. Good
1: one. All right. Good one. All right, Bo. So all the years working with ABC, what was the best telecast you called and why?
2: The most – I don't say the best because now you're talking Emmy award presentation. And so that's, that's the, uh, you know, the mentality of a producer or director, but the most interesting for me, and I did 548 network telecasts uh, on CBS, NBC, but mostly on ABC, the most memorable time in the three clutch strikes that I ever saw was Johnny Petraglia shooting 300 in Toledo. And I never saw there you have and I was I'm an army guy spent eight years in the army when I wasn't in full time all the time. And Johnny and I actually got to know each other when Johnny won in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, I think it was in 1967. And then he went off to Vietnam. And when he threw those three strikes, they were probably the most. Financially rewarding strikes of all time, also, because if I correct me, Justin, that Brunswick gave his son John a guaranteed college scholarship and Johnny won a hundred thousand dollars but it's the way Johnny threw those balls it's like somebody's shooting at me and I know how to handle this and there's nobody else could have ever faced a person like that and I can picture myself in Johnny's mind I'm in Vietnam and I need three strikes and I still get goosebumps when I see how he threw them there was no way there's no way those pins were going to stand.
1: So in the booth, did you know he was going to finish the job when he got to the 10th?
2: I, I did not. The lanes weren't that easy. And, and you could throw them great. And, of course, you know all of us know that whether it's lefty or righty, solid eights, nines, tens, could to be everything? But Petraglia was in a different mindset than anybody else who had ever been in that position, and he was more conditioned – to win under that pressure, um in his mind, than anybody had ever seen. It was thrilling just to watch him throw the balls. I mean, and he didn't he have it. He had the front eleven once before that, didn't he? Uh, I think he had it in Garden City one time, and then he he threw it between his legs at the end. And but this <laughs> one, this, this was this ball was for. If you put it once again, I like to put things in the um, and the actual dollars in today's dollars Johnny threw those three strikes if his son took advantage of the 100,000 or more than $100,000 college scholarship and Johnny obviously got 100,000 you're talking it was probably a 320 or 30,000 dollar 12th ball he threw
1: wow when you put it that but way it's the way you threw it
2: Justin it's a it's somewhere that I've never been I mean you've thrown them at your young age Uh, Mike, I'm sure you've done some bowling where you're under Mm -hmm. pressure, but that was a unique situation. So that was my most memorable, and I have good memories, but Mm -hmm. the most memorable one of all times.
1: All right. So then I'm going to follow it up with this one, Justin. So you had the power outage in California. You had the bomb scare at Riviera. Was there any other... Odd occurrence that that us like as the general public doesn't know about before a telecast went on any other anything else weird like that ever happened to you guys?
2: Well, I had a couple of times, uh, Mike, where one of the lanes would break down. And I think the 300th that, um, that, that uh, whoever shot it at, in 19. I don't know if it was Stephanie or whatnot, Justin, bolted on two different pairs, lane, like 15 and lane 17. Mike, we had that happen a number of times mm-hmm. i to say four or five times um, we had one other one you're talking about Riviera, we were outside or the threat the, um, we had one in from the same guy it was uh, I don't know if you remember you're almost too young there was an a guy with a big hair like um, the troop has we had it all colored and he was he was threatening bomb threats around we had one in Texas it in um, at the Grand Prairie at the Quaker State Open. And um, we had one in Windsor Locks, the same thing that happened in the Tournament of Champions you're talking about at Riviera. And Schenkel split. He says, look, I fought in world. People don't know, Schenkel fought in the South Pacific in the, in the Navy as a lieutenant. <laughs> there he is, Lieutenant Chris Schenkel. And Schenkel says, I've been shot at enough. I'm out of here. You can hang in here if you want. And so uh, other than that, um, we, you know, we've had some funny things happen, but nothing really much more than that that you actually saw.
1: So, so, Bo, I'm going to go off off the, that ABC topic for a minute. So Roth revolutionized the game with what he did and the power and the cranking and whatnot. And Belmonte is kind of doing that now with the younger generation, with the two-hander. Style, which guy do you think is going to go down in the history books as more of the, uh, the more of the revolutionized the game more, Roth or Belmonte?
2: That's uh, a very interesting question, Mike. But um, once again, conditions make players, and errors make players. You can never throw it like Belmonte on wood lanes and get it back from out from. They throw balls out of bounds and come back, and they got seven pound weight blocks and all that stuff. And the scoring is so much higher. It's ridiculous. Uh, um, So strikes are so important. And Belmonte's bowling, and nothing taken away from Belmonte, he's bowling in much shorter fields. I mean, you're talking you could win a PBA tournament with 13 games. When I finished first in the U.S. Open in 1966, I bowled 115 games, 24 match play. A day, so they can't even bowl that many tournaments. They they can bowl three tournaments in that. So Belmonte has more opportunity against less talent to do what Mark Roth did. And go ahead. So, do you think that the
1: like the generation now compared to like guys in the seventies and the eighties, like in, in Parker's generation, are the, are the quality like the quality player better back then, like the shot makers back then, or are they better? shot makers now, or even a shot maker now. I've been asked
2: that question a bunch of times and I'll go back to the fifties. I've been a good bowler. um, I've been a reasonably good bowler since I was 16 years old. That means that, that I've had at least 64 years of being in PBA competition. I bowled a PBA tournament when I was 17 and led it in Chicago. So I can say that through, through this bowling now, you are a part of your environment. When you bowl against three pound ten ounce wood pins on equal oil gutter to gutter, in 12 degrees temperature, and you average 210, who knows if you wouldn't average 240 today? I mean, mm-hmm. strikes are at a premium, and the bowlers have a different thing. Accuracy was the most important thing. The most, we had tons of guys. They weren't two handers, but we had tons of guys that could could crank it up. A got you wouldn't even remember these names, Stan Slominski finished 12th in the, in the BPA All-Star back in the late 50s. I mean, he, he did what more than Mark Roth does. And, but, once again, he couldn't do anything because of the way they were. Mark would have struggled in the 50s and 60s with his style. So if you take that into the, in the thing, you have to equate, in my opinion, the quality by errors. Let's take the 60s. Who do I think is the best of the 60s? Who do I say is the best of the 70s? I'll equate it down and make it a little simpler for you because I've made it cut a little bit of a problem is that you have to take a guy and what he did. And I will say Mark Roth is the best natural ability to throw a bowling ball I was ever around. And I bowled around Carter, Weber. I bowled league with those guys when I was just a kid and it was a good bowler. And I was around Ned Day and Beaumar and that because my dad was there in the, in the 50s and 60s. Um, you know, and the bowl with Carter and Hennessey, you know, they all practiced with me all day long when I was 15, 16 years old. And uh, you'd have to just take the era. The 50s was definitely Carter. You know, the 60s, you could have a something for, for, um, for Dick Weber. Mm. The 70s, you have to go with Earl Anthony. The 80s, Mark Roth. 90s, you guys are probably more um, attuned to who was the best bowler in the 90s, but the tour was starting to struggle and never even completed in the 90s. So my mm-hmm. um, named some good names there, but they would not have been dominant in any, with their style, in any particular lane condition. Like lefties mm-hmm. never had a chance for the first 50 years so they made lane machines because we put equal oil gutter to gutters on the left side of the lane like your dad. He's blowing on a dead sports shot, and right-handers are putting a groove in there. There's a reason nobody ever won the U.S. Open or Masters, who was a left-hander, until the mid-60s. So they start putting yep. lane machines out there, and then it reversed. Yeah, I think right. there's only
1: six people to ever win the U.S. Open that's left-handed, if I'm not mistaken. There's six or seven. There's not many.
2: Well, I know Petragli has won it.
1: these won it. Cook has won it.
2: But they oh, I know yeah, after man. what I'm saying after 1965, 66, yeah. 67, you know. Um, so conditions make the player. Unfortunately, in our sport.
1: All right, I'm gonna give him one more, Justin, and we're gonna. I don't want to keep him any longer. No, Bo, no, if, no, I, if, if I ever, Bo, if I ever make it to Florida, can I uh, meet up with you for lunch and just shoot the shit with you for an for an hour? Well, this Be is fine. great.
2: <laughs> Who's buying? I'll,
1: I'll, I'll, oh no, no, that's on me. My company will expense it. That's one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm stone <laughs>
2: we'll yeah. crabs on Jupiter Island and see uh, how, how much they love you. One hundred
1: percent. That is all on me.
2: So here,
1: <laughs> here's my last one, Bo. Okay. Your legacy. Um, Justin's generation may not be too familiar with what you did because you did it, you know, many years ago, but. Do you want to be remembered more as the Hall of Fame bowler or the Hall of Fame broadcaster?
2: All I'm remembered as, Mike, and I've done thousands of exhibitions and Miller Lite All-Star, and I can't tell you how many thousand exhibitions, and I can see after bowling on tour and then being a broadcast announcer for 25 years or so, and kids come up to you, even adults down here that watch the show, and they just remember as the tip guy. The bowler, they don't know that you won, whatever. I was, I don't know how many titles I won, but you were put into it. a
1: suitcase too, Justin. Do you have that clip? Do you have the picture? We pop up for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did well, How have they ever put you in a suitcase? I mean, how does this happen? That
2: that is a, that is a stage I'm on. It's like a basketball stage, and you're on a ladder underneath it, and you practice and you pop up out of that. And that was a, for what it's worth, is a Choice Hotel commercial. I made, um, man, you guys probably know better than I do, in the, in the mid-80s, early 90s, something like that. Um, Chi Chi Rodriguez made one for golf, but that was a, actually a stage with a suitcase on top of a little bed, and I came up out of the stage like a, a, a movie theater or
1: something. Wow. Bo, I, I can't thank you enough. We, we, we love the time. I don't want to take any more of your time, but... Um, if I ever make it down to Florida, I will definitely reach out, and I will definitely buy uh, crabs in Jupiter Island for us.
2: <laughs> not gonna, you're not going buying stone crabs. They're different.
1: <laughs> what, whatever you want, I can bring some pastries from New York down if you want. Um, everybody up here, so many people, when they found out you were going to join us, send their best. Johnny P., Parker, uh, Bill Supper was here. Um, Billy Hall was another one. Everybody sends their best to you. Hope you're well. Um we we can't thank you enough. Know, this was an awesome 40 minutes and uh I uh, would we'll love to have you back, you know, at a later time if you want to join us again sometime. Absolutely. I would
2: love to. I got to get my camera fixed because um <laughs> I see two good-looking guys out there and you uh you guys are doing a good job. So uh I'm looking I'm
1: looking, I'm looking to find the other one. This is the, these are the good-looking guys right here. Oh, okay. Well, that's hey that's really ones. quick. You got anything good on on shankle? How how good of a guy was he?
2: Schenkel was probably the most likable guy you would ever meet. And uh, there's, he's one of the reasons the great success of the Pro Bowlers tour on television. Obviously, bowling itself was the feature. But Schenkel was, um, Schenkel and I sold a lot of the commercials on TV, Mike. If you had your company, Mike and, and Justin have a company, and you don't even know anything about bowling, we would take you and your wife or whatnot out to dinner on Friday night. Schenkel worked the CEO of the company. I'd work the wife. The next day we put them on TV. says nothing nice about them. When they went back in the office on Monday, seven, we did 7 million people average for the first 17 years I was on. That's more than the playoff games in football. Trust me. And so you would go back to the office and say, Hey Mike, I saw you and your wife on TV. You look great. You just sign up for the next year. You didn't even know if it was bowling or badminton, but just because you got on there, you, you were on there. And so, We were a great sales team, but a good team uh, together uh, as friends, too. And he's probably one of the most likable persons I've ever met.
1: Well, you guys were the best. And and Justin, this is before you, but I remember running home Saturday, 3 o'clock, to watch him in the Blue Blazers or the Yellow Blazers back in the day. But you, you two are the voices of the PBA. No disrespect to Randy, but... You you guys have made professional bowling, and you're you're that Mount Rushmore, Bo. I can't thank you enough for the uh, for the time tonight.
2: Well, do yeah, absolutely. It. Thank you, Justin. Say hi to your dad and all the buddies up north, and uh, Mike. Keep in touch.
1: I will, Bo. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you and the great Nelson Burden Jr. Everybody.
0: Thank you, Bo, for your time. Thanks,
1: Bo. Thanks, guys. All right. So, Justin, that that was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was an absolute blast. Um, having the the honor to talk to somebody like that, who had such knowledge of so much more history of the game. He's besides. a walking
1: statistic.
0: Oh my God! Wow. I mean, I mean, we're talking about the '50s and like the the All Star yeah. and events that we really haven't heard stories about on the show.
1: No, and the All Star was a hundred game format.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. we're, we're we're talking about. I mean, like guys that had never won a title on tour. I mean, we're talking about guys that you and me have never heard of.
1: No. And, and, you know, I pride myself on knowing a lot about the PBA and the history of the PBA and, and bowling in general. And even like with Matt McNeil, when he comes on with us and right. even with, with Litchie and Lenny, I felt like I was like a foreigner today listening to Bo Talk.
0: Yeah, which, Incredible. Is, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, the stats that he was giving out was just it was unbelievable. Oh, I know. It's how crazy. about how about how he got back into bowling? Yeah, that's that was that's funny, <laughs> and the the Florida State record for average—that's nuts. <laughs> Justin, what's the Ooh. high average at at North Rock right now? Where you where you bowl league?
0: Uh, it's gotta it? be it's gotta be in the two fifties.
1: Two fifty.
0: Let me let me
1: look. Wow! Just just picture this. Would you ever think and look at the guys back at home, like in, back in Jersey, right? Yep. Would you ever think of a guy in in his late 70s going to be 80 that's averaging 245 or
0: 247? That's nuts. That's crazy. That's insane.
1: Yeah. That's insane. But I loved his statement about how he said, it's not about what you average. It's about who you beat. Yeah, he's got a point. So he basically said, and he used that as the example, if you go out and beat Park four nights in a row for whatever, you earn Bo's respect right there. Yeah, absolutely. That is that was awesome. By the way, how about happy birthday to the Gupster today? Turned seventy two. Guppy true. turned seventy two. Happy birthday to Guppy. Another legend of the tour. Seventy two years old today. Yep. So really quick, um, let's break down the players, the recap of the players. Yes, give me
0: like three seconds. I'm I'm finding this average. Two forty seven okay. currently.
1: That's the high average at North Rock.
0: Two forty seven currently. Oh, wait. That's with three games. 57 oh, games. Leader, Spencer Robars, 244.
1: How do you think Spencer, and and I like Spencer, how do you think Spencer's ego would be if he got beat up by a 79-year-old man week after week, and he's averaging 244? Oh, God. I don't think it could be very good. No. I would hope not, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, dude, it's, that was Unbelievable. And I will buy him those crabs of when I make it down to Florida. Oh, I would believe it. Oh, you know I'll do it, hundred percent. And oh yeah, uh, the, I'll just take the company Amex out, and that's how I'm paying for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. how do I buy? I mean, I buy you lunch all the time on the company Amex. Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, so let's get to the players really quick.
0: Okay. So regions let's are done.
1: Set the the shows are set for Saturday and Sunday. Um, what? Pick a region. Where do you want to start? You know,
0: I want to start in the West because this okay. This is the show that I'm most excited for. Yep. Um, and I've got family bowling on one of the other shows, and I'm most yes. excited for the West region. Yes, you do. Uh, huge shout out to Matt Russo making his first PBA telecast. On saw, Matt,
1: saw Matt last night. Yep. Uh, yep. Super
0: happy for you, buddy. And, absolutely. We're pulling super for him. excited to watch you bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what. This West Region show, Jacob Butreth Jake Peters, Wesley Lowe, Jason Belmonte, Cortez Shank.
2: Well,
1: I guess what I said last week, if Belmo would have any rust on him um, because he wasn't really in competition, he just kind of blew the doors off of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking the best bowler on the planet right now. Yep. One, one of the best bowlers on the planet. One of the guys who's coming off one of the best weeks of his life at Team USA Trials. First year Team USA member, and we're talking about two guys who have had arguably some of the best youth careers in youth bowling. Wesley Low and um, Cortez Shank. Cortez, we're talking world champions in youth bowling. Mm-hmm. How sick is that?
1: That's that's gonna be the good one. Belmo is the leader out there, correct? No, Butters. Oh, Butters was a leader.
0: Butters is a leader. Jake Peters is second. Wesley Lowe is third. Belmo and Cortez will ball in the first match. Yeah. I, I don't... I, I mean, to, to be honest, like, it could be one of the, the most stacked Regions. telecasts we've seen in a very long time. Yeah. And I know a couple of years ago in, like, the PBA 50 stop, they had that show with Johnny, Norm, Walter... Pete, Dad, those yep. guys. But, I mean, we're talking a huge variety of
1: – Of the style, player, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking a two-handed lefty. We're talking a two-handed righty. We're talking two one-handed righties. And the most unorthodox left-handed style you've ever seen.
1: <laughs> All right. Who's your pick coming out of there?
0: Oh, God. I don't – you, you got to like Belmo, but – any of them can win.
1: Yeah, can I give you mine and and I'm all about the feel good stories. You know this? Yeah. Um Jake Peters went through a, a horrific loss last year. Yeah. And I believe Trials was his first event back.
0: No, or no, one he, of he, one
1: of his first events, like big events.
0: He had bowled right? a couple of uh national stops. He he finished second in Lubbock.
1: That's right. He did. He did. You and know, and I'm all about that feel good story stuff. Yeah. And I think after winning team trials and let's get Jake Peters to the winner circle out of the West.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'll say this. I was there when his name was called and it was, it was pretty tear jerking to.
1: Oh yeah. Listen to. All right. So we're going to, we're going to say, we'll give Jake Peters the nod out of the West.
0: Yep. So all right. let's, uh let's look at the East region back home. Grandpa tournament leader, Brandon Ronk making his first TV show. Uh, Bill O'Neill's third, Kyle Troop fourth, Patrick Dombrowski is fifth. I believe it's Patrick's first show. I could be wrong on that.
1: Uh, no, I think you're right with that.
0: And I called O'Neill last week, if you remember. Yep, you said you said he was going to be there. Uh, you got to like Kyle Troop, defending champion. Buller uh, of the year. Likes the format, player of the year, yeah. Um, Graham Faw had is coming off a pretty good week as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Led the RPI in qualifying, ran him over there. Brandon Runk, I know, bowled the RPI,
1: so had some pretty
0: good experience under his belt. Yeah,
1: he got to the round of 16, I think, at the RPI, right? Yeah,
0: it's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting watching those two guys because Graham we haven't seen on TV in a long time. Uh, Brandon Runk, I mean, almost bowled junior tournaments against him. And if I did, it wasn't very many. He but, bowled
1: our team tournament um you know, last spring, summer.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh, September, I'm sorry. he I've mean, in- bowled events against him uh excited to excited when you see somebody that you know yeah like uh another prime example chloe Skrzynski winning the amateur title uh, a couple weeks ago at team trials i bowled pjbt's against her that was mm-hmm. that was pretty cool to watch so anytime you get to see someone that you like knew up and growing growing up and watching or bowling against from your home area yeah uh, watching them compete at the biggest stage is pretty cool so i'm i'm excited that, to see that show That's how yeah
1: that's how i kind of feel with billy you know, I grew up with, with O'Neill, so it's the same thing. You know, right. O'Neill, Van Hees, we all came out of that same JBT class, basically. Yeah. So um, uh, let's move on to the South. Uh, Tommy do you Jones? just want to call this the Tommy Jones region? Oh, my What God. he did was just unbelievable. What he did was ridiculous.
0: Oh, my God. I know. He, he dominated the field. I think he led by over 300 and had the 300 pin lead not very far into the tournament. No. No. I know at he, one point he was 600 over and second
1: was not 300. Yeah, he had a 400 and something pin lead after like I think the first block.
0: Yeah. I mean, he nuts. murdered them. Yeah. Norm Duke second, David Stofer third, Tommy Sambueno fourth, DJ Archer fifth. I'll tell you what, I want to see Norm Duke and Tommy Jones bowling I each think other. Every, I think title everybody knows this region. Um, how cool would it be to see Norm Duke win not only one of these regions, but to win the whole event at fifty six or fifty seven,
1: that will make him the oldest player to win a major on the national tour.
0: Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool to see. Now uh, on to the Midwest region: Sean Rash, AJ Johnson, EJ Tackett, Matt Russo, and Bailey Maverick. So here's a good one: Bailey Maverick bought his PBA membership the morning of practice. this event
1: now who now what is a bailey maverick you gotta fill me in on this here i'm not familiar with the name
0: it's it was his first pba event
1: now do you know him was he like is he a youth uh, like out of the college
0: no i i think he's from indiana uh a couple people that i hadn't have known from that area knew who he was um i don't but he bought his pba membership friday morning for before practice and it was his first pba event made the TV show.
1: That's pretty well, sick. He will have to run the ladder of ladders. Yeah, this, the circle.
0: this is a, a pretty stacked ladder um, itself. I mean, this is
1: probably the strongest five you're going to have.
0: Yeah, um, we're talking Matt Russo, Rookie of the Year, okay. uh, Team USA member, EJ Tackett, name speaks, speaks for, for itself, mm-hmm. AJ Johnson, who has still yet to win a PBA title on tour.
1: But name speaks for itself right there. Exactly. Very accomplished.
0: Which, I mean, still blows my mind. He's yet to win a title. And, I mean, who knows? It could be his time at an event like this. Correct. And Sean Rash, uh, Hall it's- of Fame career, just a matter of time before he gets in.
1: Correct. That speaks for himself there.
0: Yep. And then, last region we forgot to mention, Southwest region. Dom Barrett, tournament leader. Arturo Quintero, second. Francois Lavoie, third. And in the opening match... The match that the YouTube world has been waiting for <laughs> on TV. Brad Miller and Kyle Sherman. That would be like me and Brandon bowling each that, other on that TV. That's you and
1: Brandon bowling each other, exactly. Yeah. Um I, you know I have a I have a man crush with Prather and I have a man crush with Frankie. So you know when the money's on the line, I will take Francois Lavoie over just about any single person on the planet. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'll tell you this, though. It'd be cool to see Brad Miller make a run because I know he made yes. a run at the World Series. I think – was it
1: last year or the year before? The year before.
0: Uh, made a run at Balmo. Uh, yes. I, I don't think he has a title yet.
1: He does not have a title. Kyle um, has a title.
0: Yep. And Dom Barrett hasn't won a title in quite some time. So,
1: No, he's due uh, as well. Yeah, but it would be it, – It's hard to cool. bet against – it's hard to bet against Frankie when the money's on the line, it really is hard to bet against Frankie.
0: So, so here's some some good stats. Um it says player's championship regional finalist by the numbers. Okay. So, out of the 25 finalists that qualified for the uh regional finals, there are 15 PBA tour champions, 164 total titles, mm-hmm. 11 major champions, 36 major titles. Two Hall of Famers, five Rookie of the Years, six Player of the Years, like six players, not Mm -hmm. counting Belmo being it six times. Yeah, that's won the award six times. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. four former Player Championship winners, and there's five players who have qualified for the finals, for the regional finals twice.
1: Some some good stats there.
0: Unique get your pop, there. get your
1: popcorn and soda ready for Saturday and Sunday and FS1 and
0: Monday too. And, and
1: Sun and Sunday is my birthday. Well,
0: so, happy early birthday, Mike!
1: Thank you. So um, you can all send your regards to me on Sunday when you're watching the show. Um, it is going to be a great weekend of bowling, to say the least.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely will be. I'm I'm looking forward to watching these matches. Um, I will pull up the schedule.
1: I and I, and and one other thing that we forgot to mention, pal. Go right ahead. Uh kudos to um I know he watches when he's around. He's been with us twice. Uh friend of the show, Wes Malott. Um, congratulations to Wes. Yes. Uh unanimous uh first ballot Hall of Famer going into the PBA Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, that's uh super, super cool. Well deserved. Uh, we we've talked about it. We knew it was a matter of time mm-hmm. and to see uh his name gonna be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, here in yeah. a couple of weeks with the tournament champions, that's, uh, that's going to be super exciting.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of guys that are be that are, that are eligible that should be going in. Uh, Rash will be on that list. Billy's going to be on that list. uh Belmo's obviously be on the list. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are coming up that are going to meet that uh the eligibility requirement now.
0: Yeah, I, but I do think you have to be forty. Before yes. You you have, get it yep.
1: Up, so. It's the age, correct. So, but they're they're knocking they're knocking on the forty uh, mark.
0: Yeah. So. TV finalists or TV finals for the uh, regional TV shows, the the schedule East region will be January 22nd, which is Saturday at 4 p.m. on FS1. Mm-hmm. Following that right after at 6 is the South region. On Sunday, Midwest region is at 4 p.m. The Southwest region will be following that at 6 p.m. And then Monday night at 7 on FS1 will be the West region. The finals will be... January 29th, which I believe is next Sunday? uh It is next Sunday. When
1: no, I'm is, sorry. It is Saturday.
0: Saturday. Saturday. Saturday night at 8.30 on FS1.
1: How great would it be if Bo was doing the show, commentating this show?
0: <laughs> yeah, that would that'd be cool. <clears throat>
1: um. Also, oh my god, I lost my train of thought here, pal. I told <laughs> you was, I was going to stay here. Um, Totally forgot where I was going with this. Good. Yeah. It, it's, see, I'm getting older, so I'm losing my marbles a little bit. It, it happens. It you know, does happens. happen. It happens. The best um, way. Yeah, I know. But a, a good week of bowling coming up, to say the least. Yeah. Now,
0: another. In other news, PBA Junior Finals are also yes. going on next weekend. Correct. So, I will be on scene. I will I, I
1: heard that rumor. You'll be in Texas.
0: I am. I'm very looking forward to uh, being there for the PBA Junior National Championship. Yes. Uh, gonna watch uh good buddy Alex bowl.
1: Yes, I'm. we are pulling for Alex. Yeah, so... Uh, now, before we wrap it up, let's just really quick what we're going to do next week. Yep. Now, next week, we are going to do a show. We've been talking about it for about a month now. Could be longer than that. It could yeah. be longer than that. We are going to finally um, have the debate about the, about the Hall of Fame and eligibility and players and whatnot. So we are going to have, um, and I call them the TMZ of the bowling world, um, whenever there's a story that breaks, he's the first guy to always have it. Yeah. USBC Hall of Famer Jeff Riggles, will finally join us after many years. We're going to sit with Jeff, and we're also going to. Um, uh, I and I apologize. I gave some wrong information out last week. I think we we both did actually. Some about, fake news. Yeah, we have some fake news out about Team USA and whatnot. So Jeff's going to put that to bed as well. We're going to square all that away, and then we're going to talk about. The Hall of Fame, uh, players that we feel should be in the Hall of Fame. We did a lot of research on this one. Um, so next week's gonna be a good show, and then we can even break down, um, the shows with Jeff next week.
0: Yep, but uh,
1: um, yeah, man, this wasn't this was a good one tonight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I was looking forward to this when I knew that we were gonna do it, and uh, it lives past expectations.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I, I never thought anybody was that much of a statistic he was an absolute encyclopedia of knowledge yeah definitely could you imagine if we had him lenny nicholson and litchie on at the same time oh my god we don't even need to be on the show no we'll just put our screen black and let the three of them talk for hours <laughs> yeah but, literally you know when i told when i told we'll, people we'll sit back time, and be viewers for that week oh my god 100 you know yeah. when i when i told johnny johnny told me that Bo was very knowledgeable and he because he's going to know his stuff i'm like well most people do Right, I had no clue it was going to be that knowledgeable. It was awesome. Oh,
0: oh my god, I mean, he made us look look stupid.
1: Yeah, and forget it if we were to bowl him. Oh no. Oh no. No, I'm okay. You know, I I, I did get a spot. I'll, on the holiday I'll keep Double. my money. I did get a spot on the holiday doubles. You did. I did. Okay. Can I get Bo as a partner for the holiday doubles?
0: You got his number. Call him.
1: <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> right, let's wrap it up. You got to go bowl league. So um, until next Tuesday, and Every it will be Tuesday nights now.
0: Yes, that will we will make that change. Tuesday nights at seven PM. Uh, could not make it work with the schedule for the new semester. So the new time will be Tuesdays at seven PM Eastern Time, uh, right here on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, that's uh, that's gonna wrap this one up. So if you're watching on YouTube, go hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new video. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, like, follow, share the page, uh, do all that good jazz. And uh, yeah, so buddy's Pro Shop,
1: friends. Zone Five off promo code for five percent off. And don't forget, um, Zano for CEO is still trending out there in the bowling world. Sure is. Um, top top 10. It, it is out there. People want me as a CEO of the PBA. Um, hey, my resume is uh, available. So, You know, I, that... I, I,
0: I do think that's the first time you've gotten that promotion code
1: right. It is. I After I almost so. a year and a half, I finally got it right. Yeah, um, but uh,
0: that's going to wrap this one yeah. up. So, guys, go hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new video. And uh, we will see you next week. With the, the debate about the Hall
1: of fame. of fame. All right, guys, have a great week. We will see you next Tuesday at 7 Eastern. Thank
0: you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Bone and Zano Zone podcast presented by BuddiesProShop.com. If you want to see more, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Bone and Zano Zone or on YouTube as well. As for now, I'm Justin Bowen, my partner Mike Valenzano, and we hope to see you all on the next episode of the Bone and Zano Zone.